Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's time now for Heart and Lions on WEEI. The 11 o'clock hour on a Sunday morning here on WEEI. And it just hit me. The second hour of Heart and Lions. I was wrong. The ego got too big. I pulled a Jalen Brown. Have some damn self-awareness, Andy. It should be Lions and Heart. Lions Heart. Lion Heart. Remember the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie? Okay. Should right. be Lion Heart. So I've been a, here an hour and my name gets to go first. Bumped already? up wow. already simply because right. it makes for a bit. And, and Andy just doesn't do that for anybody. Nope, I no. don't. I do not. I do not. I definitely do not. But I would also like a uh, Lionheart uh, soundbite from Jean-Claude Van Damme coming out of the next break. I'm not sure what that is, but the ma- most famous aspect of that movie, I used to be a big Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme fan. Like, You ever that- see The Quest with Jean-Claude Van Damme? Loved that movie. Probably. You know, I still like, like I've seen most of them. secret MMA tournament on some island somewhere. Oh, it's- yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I loved those stupid action movies oh, that yeah. are stupid. Like, I know what they are. Oh, yeah. They're stupid, and I like them. Speaking of things that are stupid and I like, oh, no, I am not going right to Stephen Fall River. That's not fair. Uh, But I am going back to the phone line, 617-779-7937. First hour, we talked about the Boston Celtics. We talked about Jalen Brown, and we talked about the Red Sox. So we will take calls in that subject order. So first and foremost, we will go down the Cape to talk to Shane who has um, a thought on Jalen Brown, the holdup with the contract extension, and the Celtics. Good morning, Shane. How are you? Good morning. How are we doing, guys? First time, long time. Happy Sunday. Thank you. Um, Appreciate it. I I really think it comes down to Jalen Brown wants that trade kicker. You know, he sees, and he's a smart guy, business guy. You know, he understands that eventually someone is going to have to get traded, whether it's Probably not Tatum. It's going to be him or Porzingis, you know, just based on the cap and the new ramifications. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, Brad Stevens and ownership says we're going to pay this guy $60 million, You know, we're not going to give him a trade kick or two and pay him more once we do eventually trade him. And Jalen Brown, you know, he's putting his feet, you know, in the ground and really sticking to it, being standing up for the union and standing up for the, for the players. You know, I think you know, it, it's going to come down to that. But I think it eventually gets done. There's just way too much money on the board, you know, for him to pass it up, you Shit. know. So, uh, great show this morning. Uh, congrats, Buckets. Go uh, go, sell. Thanks, Shane. And what the hell was that? Buckets? Yeah, so it's uh, when I was in youth basketball, I hit one game-winning shot. So you my hit friends one shot in youth basketball and you're living on it 20-something years later? Yeah. I mean, you know, hey. That oh, is Andy, in no like way you don't sad. have the same yeah, thing Yeah, it like got that. me here, right? Andy, like you don't have something like yeah. that. Yeah, I don't think so. 
Yeah. But I think he brings up an interesting point with they the call cap. me fat ass, but I still have a fat ass. <laughs> he brings up an interesting point in that if you do project the cap out, and let's not forget, before Marcus Smart got traded, the Celtics looked to trade the more expensive guard in Malcolm Brogdon. Yep. You wonder if they look at it as, hey, two, three years from now, we can't have three guys, you know, taking up that percentage of the cap. And I think it would be Porzingis that would probably get traded. But in the back of Jalen Brown's mind, he's like, well, if Porzingis comes in and we win a championship and he plays great, they might all of a sudden view that as a better quote-unquote fit. Like, we don't sit here and say, oh, Jamal Murray's a better player than Tatum or Brown, but he fits really well with Nikola Jokic in Mm -hmm. Denver. And I I wonder if that is in the back of Brown's mind where, hey, maybe this will be a better fit. And if you go forward with three guys, you know, two guys at 35% of the cap and then Porzingis over 30 million bucks a year, that really limits, okay, how much can you pay Derek White on Robert Williams' next contract? How much can you pay him? How do you fill out your roster? And I think Brown's smart enough to know, to Shane's point, that could be an issue. Again, not now, not maybe two years from now, but probably three years from now, which would still be during his contract. And it's what I talked about earlier, like, Brown is looking out for Brown, even long term, something like sure. that. And it, like realistically, this is a business, right? They always it's a business, and he knows it's a business. They traded Isaiah Thomas. He saw that. He came in as a young player. He saw Isaiah Thomas, and again, would I do Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie? Yeah, and I know it didn't work out at the it time. Did not, but he saw. Hey, this guy played through the death of his sister and through an injury that impacted the future of his career, and then they traded him. Right, and then he saw. Oh, they signed and traded Gordon Hayward. They they let Kyrie and I know they didn't let Kyrie walk per se, but Kyrie was here for a brief time and walked. So as a young player, he's seen several high profile instances of that already, and he sees it every day. It's the NBA, and it also is the NBA. I mean, Look at Dame Lillard, Lillard or Harden or Durant. Like everybody moves around. The the greatest basketball you just saw player Marcus ever. Smart. Well, yeah, Marcus. But I'm saying like even if Jalen Brown thinks he's a top five player, most of the top five to ten players still move around. LeBron. Durant, not Steph Curry, not Yo- well, I shouldn't say not Jokic or not yeah. Luka because they're still sort of in the infancies of their careers. They could move around. But at even some go point. back, I mean, Shaquille O'Neal played from everybody. Teams. Like it's that's the NBA business. That, that's Wayne why Wade I, played in Chicago for a year. Don't right. forget, and that's why I've you know called the new modern NFL with quarterbacks moving the NBAification of the quarterback in the NFL position. So I think that's interesting, and I think it's accurate. I do think we have. Jalen Brown looking out for A, Jalen Brown, B, players and contracts and the business that he is part of the overseeing of in the CBA, and then he becomes a Celtic. Like, it's third on his priority list, and that's fine. Which, by the way, I don't blame – like, in this stage, when you're negotiating, that's fine. Now, once you sign, Celtics should go back to number one. And that's my concern, does it? Yeah, but I think right now, I I would expect him to look out for – like, I I get that, but again, once you sign – then the Celtics should go back to number one. So we touched on the uh, Boston Red Sox lost 10-4 at Wrigley Field. James Paxton's uh, successful run or nice streak came to an end. Cody Bellinger's hot streak to open the second half of the season did not come to an end. He hits a grand slam. Celtics, uh, excuse me, Red Sox lose 10-4 back in last place. Um, Speaking about somebody who knows about last place, let's go to Steve in Fall River who wants to talk about the Red Sox second half of the season. Steve, what's up? Since I'm on my 30 some thousandth call to talk radio, and which puts me in first place by, <laughs> you can't even tell me how many. 
I want to give you some numbers, Andy. Yeah, numbers. Let's now, go. Since it's my 30-something thousandth call, I'm not going to start off by saying you're – no, I'm going to hold that to the end. Let me make a comment at the end, I might please. not hear it. See, I'm learning. Okay. I have a comment. I want to compare to your buy and sell agreement. Okay. Your buyer and seller. You poo-poo buyer and seller. Yep. Here's the Red Sox record in one particular year. May, they were 16 and 14. In June, they were 11 and 14. In July, they were 14 and 12, which is one game over 500. You're not going to guess the year. I'll just say it. 2004. Okay. 2004, they were one game over 500 for three months of the year. So I will go to it now. It doesn't matter where they are on July 17th. It means absolutely nothing. So to say they're in last place on July 15th, 16th, 17th means nothing, absolutely nothing. They're two games out of the wild card. And if they're in the Central Division, I believe they might be in first place. But they're not. So speaking of things that mean nothing. (laughs) Means absolutely nothing. Chris Sale, I have more faith in Chris Sale coming back and pitching well this year because he's out with a strained shoulder because Alex Carr decided to let him go 115, I repeat, 115 pitches in his last two starts, which is positively insane. He doesn't have any structure problem that I'm aware of. I have more faith in him coming back attributing than I do to Robert Williams ever being anything of anything and putting anything in the bank with that guy. That guy is a clown of the of capital C, Robert Williams. You he's also the best defensive player on the Celtics, but that's a side point. Okay, so. when when he's actually on the floor. Sure. Yeah. When he's actually on the floor, which we can't assume we can take him to the bank. But anyway, Did you say you have faith in Sale, but no faith in Rob Williams because he's not always on the floor. No, I said what a contradiction I have that more. Is. No, I said I have more, which might be very little bit, but I have slightly, I have slight faith in Chris Sale, zero as in none in in uh, Robert Williams because I can't keep waiting around for nursing Robert Williams, and all of a sudden he's playing eighteen minutes in a game in the playoffs. I mean, yes, he's a difference maker, but you have to be on the floor. Okay. So getting back to the Red Sox, they had a bad game yesterday, which means what? Nothing. They had bad defensive infield. Yes, they let them down. means nothing. They're getting Trevor Story back. At least that's what I heard. So if you're, if you're the manager, of the, if you're uh, Hein Bloom, of course you have to do something positive to affect this season because you're two games out of the wild card, which on July 7th, 15th means nothing. It means are we landing this October nothing call? <laughs> Where are we landing Andy, this nothing stop, call? Stop. I, I, I what means something? Give me making... something that means something. The only time it means anything is September 15th. Where are you? Then you can tell me where they are, how many games out of the wild card they are. Trade Where's deadline's Chris August Hill's 1st. Help? And no, no, that's that's up yep, behind blue. Yep. You're not, you're All not right, qualified. I'm done with Steve. Well, I had the look, experience for the day. So, so, I regret it. Joe, you were right. So we're going to give you a little behind the scenes here. Joe didn't even actually screen Steve at first because he asked me, are we going back to Steve? Because for one week, Steve was banned from any show that Fitzy or Hart were on because he had the audacity to be taken on the air and say, oh, you're going toward a break. I'm not going to talk then because I'm not going to be rushed. I'm better than being rushed. And we told him to go F himself for a week. Then we brought him back and... 
Uh, that was regrettable because that call meant nothing. At least he, he didn't say, say I suck. So I appreciate that. Holy crap. But look, here's the thing. What was his point? So Steve brought up, okay, in 2004, they didn't play well for a few months and they ended up winning the World Series. But I think there's two huge differences between that. First of all, that talent. team was better. Okay. Talent. So, so talent there, would be first and foremost. Are there any pitchers? Hall of Fame talent. Are there any pitchers on the Red Sox right now as good as Kurt Schilling or Pedro Martinez? No, obviously. But the other thing Bale? is... He's a baby Martinez. A baby, not the big dog, right? So the difference, too, is Theo Epstein was in his second year, but he had a proven track record of willing to be aggressive to upgrade the team. And the biggest thing that happened to the Red Sox that year, you can say the fight on July 24th against Ver- Veritek and A-Rod, but also they trade Nomar for Orlando Cabrera. Mm-hmm. They bring in Dave Roberts, Doug Mankiewicz. That was the key. Have we seen the Red Sox be willing to be really aggressive in doing something like that? And by the way, you guys mentioned the talent. The Red Sox scored 949 runs in 2004, led the MLB. This offense is good. It's not that good. And the pitching was better. And again, I mean, I don't know how much relevance. Everything was better. And it's also 19 years ago. Like, I don't know how relevant. that. But the point is is that I I understand (laughs) Steve is saying that, hey, they can have a bad stretch and still be in the hunt, be good. I I get it. But – that Red Sox team had a bad two and a half months. They also, starting the year in April that year, were one of the best teams in the league. And then once they made that trade mid-August on, they were one of the best teams in the league. And I don't think you can wait till September when yeah, you Steve have to is make, disregarding the trade. You, you have right. to make one of those moves. You have to make a decision now. Right, you the, can't wait and then make a decision. It's too late to do that. That's what Steve yeah. didn't understand in his nothing of a nothing burger call. 617-779-7937. I apologize to the listeners for putting you through that. My bad. I'll try not to let it happen again. Maybe As, we do need Fitzy. Maybe we do not need Fitzy. As we turn the corner here on the Lion's Heart Show here on WEEI, we will pivot As Fitzy likes to say, we will pivot and talk a little New England Patriots as training camp is just around the corner, which means, of course, Andy Hart on WEI.com gave out the postseason awards for the Patriots. Makes perfect sense in my world. It will in yours, too, in just a bit. But first, Joe Braverman is going to trend. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. The Red Sox had their six-game winning streak snapped with a 10-4 loss to the Chicago Cubs. Chicago used a six-run third inning off of James Paxton, who got the loss. He only went three innings, including a six-run third. Alex Cora talked about the issues that Paxton had during that inning. This means control, you know, the two walks and the hit-by-pitch. Um, you know, that doesn't happen very often, but you know, he's human like all of us, so you know, just a bad inning. With the loss and a Yankees win over Colorado, the Sox fall back into last place in the AL East at 49-44 and 44 and sit two games back of Houston for the third and final wildcard spot. The rubber match will take place this afternoon. Will Fleming and Rob Bradford have the call from Wrigley Field at 220 on the Shaws and Star Market, WEEI Red Sox Network. Shaws perfecting the art of fresh. Cutter Crawford will get the start for the Sox against Justin Steele for the Cubs. Cooper Boardman will get everything ready with the Mass Mutual pregame show one hour before first pitch. Mass Mutual Insurance Planning Investments. The Celtics ended their summer league with a 94-77 win. Over the Orlando Magic, they finished with a 2-3 and record. Also yesterday, the Celtics announced they have signed Jay Scrub to a two-way contract. Scrub played all five Summer League games, averaging 14.5 points, shooting 46% and 40% from three. Wimbledon men's final currently underway. It is tied at a set apiece with Carlos Alcaraz leading one set to none in the third over Novak Djokovic. 
This morning, Rory McIlroy won the Scottish Open with a come-from-behind victory heading into next week's British Open. And the Revolution easily took care of D.C. United at Gillette Stadium 4-0. The Revs sit second in the Eastern Conference at 43 points with 12 wins, 7 draws, and 4 losses. I'm Joe Braverman, and that's what's trending on WBEI and WBEI.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We don't need the money, man. I got us a deal. I told you, 50-50 all the way down the line. Well, I'm gonna split it with you, man. 50-50 all the way, man. Just like I said I would. Look, it's on him, man. The whole bat's on a tiller. Wrong bat. Back to Heart and Lions, or Lion's Heart, as you just heard. If you were wondering what the F was that, that was Jean-Claude Van Damme. In the, is that early 90s, late 80s era of action flicks of which he was a star? That is Lionheart. There were so many great, great movies in that era that really, really you don't get enough of today. I feel like you don't get those. In this world of streaming and all these services, you should get more of those. You mean like good movies coming out today? No, no, no. I mean like that sort of genre of bad action that I love movies that build stars yeah. like Van Damme and like Steven Seagal. And Probably missing somebody, but I can't think of a guy right now that I look at as... I mean, Liam Neeson did all the Takens, but... Some of those are actually good movies, They're good, and they're higher level. Yeah. Those were, like, borderline. I don't even know if those movies were all in the theater or, like, straight to VHS or straight to DVD. So, yeah, that's a lost art, those uh, lower-level action flicks built around questionable stars. Maybe with all the writers and actors on strike, we'll get some more of those. Uh, That's really becoming quite an interesting thing. Did you see the Ron Perlman video making the rounds? I did not. So, I forgot who the executive was that alluded to they're going to break the union. We're going to we're going to push this until people start losing apartments and houses and then we will win this. And Ron Perlman on Twitter basically threatened that executive and said, be careful. 
Lots of ways to lose houses, not just through losing your job or losing money. Like basically said, I could burn your house yeah, down right now. Down. I'm going to hire an arsonist. So it's uh, it's getting ugly, and it should. That was a dumb thing to say by somebody. Whether you're trying to break a union or not or trying to yeah. make them feel the effects of their strike or not, that's a dumb thing to say publicly by a guy that I guess makes like $27 million a year and lives, I'm sure, in a very nice home that he's Well, he could probably have losing. one burned down and... Probably still have another. Three. Probably has another, yeah. yeah. I just want to make sure, you know, Yellowstone gets done filming and edited so I can finish watching that. So yeah, see, that, I watched the first two seasons and then I stopped. I, I like it. I'm still into it. I might but. pick it back up. It also coincided with, I'm not sure I have it anymore, because Peacock is no longer part of the cable package on Xfinity. Yeah. It was so fun I, when that was free. Yeah, so now I think I'd have to reach out. But uh, anyway, it is late July. It's a Sunday morning, so we do have to acknowledge... That within the next 10 days or so, the New England Patriots will be taking over a significant portion of the Boston sports world because Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, Bill O'Brien, who Christian Gonzalez, whoever you're excited about, will be on the practice fields of Foxborough. Hopefully Trent Brown, if he decides to miss the uh, hailstorm, make his flight and get out there and get to work. And he's been working on social media. So, too, has uh, Christian Barmore, another questionable figure in the Patriots. So... Lots of topics bubbling around, and I used to hate when people would do this. I'd hear people on the radio, like, oh, I wrote this for the website or the paper this morning, but uh, now I'm in the hosting role, and I can do whatever the hell I want to do, so I wrote this for the website this morning, and you put me in control, you you get what you get, and you don't get upset, as they tell the uh, preschoolers. So uh, on my Sunday 7 column on weei.com, uh, the headline reads, Too Early. Two optimistic Patriots 2023 postseason award predictions. That makes sense. The season hasn't started yet. Camp hasn't started yet. And we're going to project to January to hand out the usual list of awards. And you might uh, get by the headline that I gave out seven of them because it's the Sunday 7 and I needed seven bullet points. So that's how that works. But we'll start in the obvious one that I think is obvious. The MVP, optimistically, of the 2023 New England Patriots will be Mac Jones. In part because quarterbacks are either the MVP of your team or you don't have a quarterback and you're looking for a new quarterback. That's really the only two options. It's like when they're the captain and you're like, oh, he's a captain. Nope. The quarterback almost always a captain because if he's not a captain, it means you don't have a quarterback. So Mac Jones is a captain, returning captain. I'm assuming he's going to be elected captain again. And I'm going to assume he returns to prominent status for the New England Patriots. Chances of that happening, John Lyons, are? I, I, is this too optimistic? I, I would say the chances of that... Are, 30, 35%. And the reason I say that... 30%? You the, think there's only a 30% chance Mac Jones is going to be the MVP of the Patriots this year? Yes. Can you clip that and highlight and, that, Joe Braverman? Because John Lyons just said on a Sunday morning in July that the Patriots are going to suck. Nope. And Joe, you can also highlight the fact that I'm about to say he is going to have a good season, but I think what's going to happen is is you're going to see what this team hell? primarily led by the defense, and a lot of people are going to say, oh, Mac's a lot better because they brought in Bill O'Brien, and he's yeah. a real offensive coordinator. So I think when you look at who's going to be the quote-unquote, like I agree with you that Mac Jones is the most important player on the Patriots, yeah. but when I think at the end of the season who fans are going to look at, who even we may look at is, oh, this guy had the best season, he helped elevate him, it's going to be some. It's going to be a, I need a Kyle name. Duggar, a Ramondre Stevenson, a guy a like name. that. I would say one of those. Offensive. Nope, just give me one. Okay, I'll Not go. Not two. I'll go Stevenson. 
We're not ordering this. We're not having. I'll go Stevenson. Everything is black and white on this show right now. But again, I think like Mac Jones. To your point, he is obviously the most important guy on the team. Thirty percent chance to be the MVP. Well, one guy out of fifty-three, thirty percent. That's actually that's actually a pretty big. He actually starts the year with like a ninety-nine percent chance because he plays quarterback. Fair or unfair? It's the world we live in. MVP is also known as the best QB. Yeah, that's true. It is a quarterback. So then who's offensive player of the year? Oh, well, I can scroll down on WEEI.com, and I would urge you to go there now if you want to read this because uh, I do appreciate the clicks. I'm sure uh, everybody promote yourself there, That's what I do. Uh, Somebody's got to. Somebody's got to around here. Do all the work and get no promotion. That's the Odyssey WEEI. By the way, can I say Bill O'Brien for MVP? No. All right, that's what I'm going to walk Because as much as these are made-up, fictional, too-early awards... You can't vote for Bill Belichick for NFL MVP. Okay. What's the P in MVP stand for? I would think player. Okay. Yeah. So you okay. can't vote for Bill right. O'Brien unless he suits up. If he suits up, this is right. the most I interesting season ever. I just wanted to see what kind of leeway I had. Okay. Yeah. Patriots, Offensive Player of the Year way too early because I decided on July 16th, Ramondre Stevenson. Because, I mean, he was the best player on the offense a year ago yeah. on an offense that sucked, on an offense that was inept, had poor coaching. He's the only guy, I would argue, that got better a year ago, under the watch of Matt, uh, Matt Pat- uh, Patricia. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think that's a... Unless I'm I forgetting can't think, somebody. I mean, I can't really think of anyone else that got better. Better last year. It yeah. was all about regression or dog houses or whatever, confusion, yeah. ineptitude. So if Ramondre Stevenson was good under Matt Patricia, and he hits year three, so now he's like a veteran. He knows what's going on, knows what to do. And Damian Harris is gone. You have the unknown of Kevin Harris. You have the unknown of Pierre Strong. You have Ty Montgomery looking like he's more a receiver. He could have even more opportunities to be the centerpiece of the offense. So Offensive Player of the Year with more than 2,000 yards from scrimmage, not rushing. I said from scrimmage, so don't confuse it. 2,000 yards from scrimmage is Ramondre Stevenson, John Lyons, retort. Yeah, no, and he had 1,400, 1,461 yep. yards from scrimmage last year, so the 2,000 is crazy, not that right? unreasonable. It's like a and I saw something jump. earlier this week it's that someone said, uh, I think it was in that top 10 article Jeremy Fowler did, that an AFC executive said, oh, he's not as explosive. He had seven runs of 20 or more yards last year, which who was, was that executive. I know, right? I want to know who you are. Because I don't want you running my team. those seven runs of 20-plus yards last year was fifth in the NFL. And we talked about how inept the offense could be at times last year, and he still was fifth in the NFL in runs of 20 or more yards. He had five yards of carry. And bad tackles. Yeah, and I think, and he's a guy that if you want to go back to his rookie year with Josh McDaniel's similar offensive system, 600 rushing yards Mm -hmm. as a rookie. So I think... And five point something per carry. Yeah. Oh, he plays. Yeah, and he actually had, I mean, multiple big runs called back by penalties. Somebody said he's not explosive. Yeah, or That's not t- as explosive. Yeah, I think they compared him to, like, Natrone Means was the comparison. He's an right. idiot. Yeah. Because so, the comparison for him, I believe, is Saquon Barkley. I don't know if I'd go quite that high. Oh, come Saquon. on, just go there. I think Saquon's He doesn't have the calves. Yeah, he doesn't have the calves. But I think Stevenson's Are we bodybuilding or are we playing football? I think Stevenson right now, he's a top 10 back in the league. Yeah. He was an honorable mention in that article, but I think like he's a top Patriots. 10 back. And We're you, learning no one thinks the Patriots have top 10 players. And... You can, I mean, and I know a big topic around here has been, oh, should they sign Dalvin Cook? Which I'd be fine with, by the way. I think right now Stevenson is just as good of a player as Dalvin Cook. The all-purpose yards was almost the same. Dalvin Cook had more touchdowns, but more turnovers. Like I, I think, and you that, can argue one's ascending and one is descending. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, if, if now they I were, would take him. If they were both ascending, the Vikings wouldn't have got rid of Cook. And did I right? see? 
the report that the Vikings have sort of circled back around and are now offering him a contract? I still find it, and I understand running backs are devalued in the NFL now, but like the dude's 27 and he's really good. Like Even if I sit here and say I'd take Stevenson going forward, like Dalvin Cook's still a great player, and you're in an offense that has Justin Jefferson. They just drafted Jordan Addison. Like In a division that... Like, I think Detroit could win the NFC North, but the Vikings are right there. They just want it. Like, you're right there. I don't know why you would want to move on from him, especially at this point. And when did they release him? In June? Like, Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. They wanted to move on to the other guy with dreads. What's his name that I always get confused? There's a Madison. big thing, though. I mean, there's a lot of fantasy I mean, Alexander purposes. Madison. They screw you. A lot of they screw you because you never know who's in there. I had Cook on my fantasy team, and you'd be like, yeah, and then you're like, oh, wait, that's not Cook. Why do they have two guys with dreads that look the same making plays? Play the same position. Very confusing. Okay. Yeah. Defensive player of the year. So, I think you showed your hand a little earlier when you said two options for MVP not named Mac Jones. You said Ramondre Stevenson. The other person you said was Kyle Duggar, who's in a contract year, young, athletic, versatile safety, could be leaned on to take a bigger role in the post-Devin McCourty era. No, 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 that's not who Andy Hart gave the award to. Andy Hart on WEEI.com, if you're reading along, said Matthew Judon will be the Patriots' Too early, too optimistic, deep, optimistic defensive MVP. Uh, I like where your mind is. Too and, early, too optimistic, and too obvious. Well, sometimes well, the, the obvious, obvious can be the right. right answer. You know, right? Yeah. Obvious, you know. Who's the best player in the NFL? Patrick Mahomes. Obvious. So obvious, it's yeah. stupid. No, he's the best player in the I'd NFL. I'd still take him on my team, too. Sometimes yeah. looking past the obvious is dumb. Sometimes the obvious answer is the right. Actually, oftentimes, a lot of times, the obvious, the obvious answer, answer is the yeah. right answer. We got in trouble when they decided two plus two wasn't always four, and they decided if you argued it right, you could say five or three. No, you can't. Yeah. Obvious answer is four. There's a reason. Uh, Matthew Judon, two straight uh, double-digit sack seasons, gotten better every year in New England. Didn't, I would say, fall apart last year down the stretch the way he did the first year in New England. I think that's a, a huge part, part, too. And I think... He has really embraced um, an ever-growing leadership role with this team, bigger role. And I think it's it's an interesting question. Do, if Uche is better or Duggar is better or Christian Gonzalez, whoever, does that mean Judon fell off? Or could Judon roll out of bed, get 12 and a half sacks, and not be the MVP because others excelled and grew, young players ascended? That would probably be the best-case scenario for the Patriots. But I still think... Judon has been really consistently good for four years now. Four-time Pro Bowler, two in Baltimore, two in New England. They're going to have a lot of opportunities to rush the passer because they're playing a lot of really good passers. So you're not going to say he's, you know, piling up cheap stats against third-string rookie backup QBs. I think, because people have wanted to put him in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation for for the NFL, not the Patriots. He was for a while last year. And he never quite finishes, never quite hangs with the T.J. Watts or the Aaron Donalds or those guys that elevate themselves. Maybe this is the year he takes it to the next level. And I feel like the Patriots' defense, and this has been for 20 years, the way they rotate guys and scheme guys, they don't have a lot of front seven players pile up enough stats for a defensive player of the year. I mean, you look at Vince Wilfork, Richard Seymour, all these guys that were great front seven players, Hall of Famers, but weren't in that defensive player there. And the one time the Patriots have got it, it was Stephon Gilmore, a corner. Right. So I, I think that that plays into it. But you mentioned Josh Uche. And by the way, my pick is Kyle Duggar. But you mentioned Josh Uche. Josh Uche had a double-digit sack season. They all came after yep. October 26th. Second half, yep. So it was all, and I think a lot of that was Matt Judon had such a good early part of the season. Teams had to focus on him more. And Uche, to his credit, yeah, he played well. But he was helped out by how good Judon is. So 
if we sit back in December and we're saying, hey, Josh Uche's having a great year. Hey, Marte Mapu's come in and made a big impact. Christian Gonzalez is having a good year. I think Judon, even if his numbers aren't to that level, is going to be part of it. You know, Christian Barrymore, too, on the inside, and Lawrence Guy. I think Judon is the type of guy on your defense that when he's playing up to his capabilities, when he's playing as a dog, he makes everyone around him better. So I'm going to jump ahead here because I think there's a couple sort of obvious ones. So coach of the year, Bill O'Brien. Everybody, yeah. I feel like he already won the Don't award. Don't sleep on Joe Judge for that award, too. Uh, I will sleep on that. I'll no, sleep all over No, as special that. teams court, how yeah, we'll bad see. were their special teams? They were really bad. Years? But yeah, it's Bill. I don't O'Brien. think anybody will vote for him. Just out that's of another one. The the obvious answer is Bill O'Brien. Uh, the obvious answer for Rookie of the Year is Christian Gonzalez. Going to be your number one corner. Now that comes with pitfalls. Means you're going to face a lot of good receivers, and maybe you have some growing pains. I know people will throw Keon White, second round pick out there, as yeah. sort of the next versatile D lineman. And you just mentioned uh, Marte Mapu, who is going to be given every opportunity to have a unique hybrid role as a safety linebacker. I'm going to jump ahead to comeback player of the year. Always a controversial award. What are you coming back from? Does it need to be an injury? Did you just suck? Or, in my case, for this guy, were you in the doghouse? I went with Kendrick Bourne because I think Kendrick Bourne is going to be the centerpiece of the Patriots' passing attack. I think he is going to have 1,000 yards in the air. He's going to be a 1,000-yard receiver, maybe 1,200 yards. I think he's going to make plays. I think he's going to energize the offense. What do you think? So, can I say Mike Kosicki, even though he wasn't here last year? He had a bad year in Miami. Oh, you can absolutely say okay. he sucked. The guy got benched over yeah. the second so, half of the season. I-, I love your Kendrick Bourne pick, and I do think, look, 800 yards receiving in 2021. He's, I, I think he's going to have a good year. But Mike Kosicki, I think, is going to really help them in the red zone a lot. The Patriots were 42.2% in the red zone last year, last in the NFL. We remember how fun to watch that was. But Mike Kosicki last year, he scored six touchdowns. All six were in the red zone. Five of them came from inside the 10-yard line. That alone... I think we're going to look at him and say, oh, wow, he he had a type of year, which is why Miami gave him the franchise tag a couple years ago. So I think, to me, the comeback player is going to be Gasicki just from his production standpoint. And he's going to, I think, have a big effect on them, especially in the red zone. I like where your head's at, except I completely disagree. Well, what think, else is new? I think he is being set up to be the most um, disappointing, underwhelming, and I don't think it's going to be his production. I think he's going to have a solid year. I think he might catch 40 balls, have six touchdowns. I think the hype train for Mike Gesicki from some of the beat reporters, some of the blogs, some of the headlines and tweets, they were calling him like a beast and a force and a unicorn and he's all these things and tying him to the Gronk Hernandez era as the Hernandez portion of that. I think they're just writing checks, honestly, in the media. That he's not going to fulfill. And let's also make a huge point. Uh, Hunter Henry's not the Gronk of this era. No, so, neither of them is. It's like, so stupid. Yeah, but neither here, can hold the other guy's jock that they're compared to. But I think no offense, with, Hunter. Yeah, with, I think with Gasicki, Gronk's going to be like jock. forty to fifty catches and six to eight touchdowns. I think is a great year, and I think compared to what he did in Miami last year, would be a huge comeback. Yes. However, right, I think it's like. What do you expect? What have we seen? We've seen Jonu Smith do nothing for them for two years. Oh, can so, Mac, is can it going to? Can Mac Jones win Comeback Player of the Year? Uh, see, that's what I wanted somebody to bring up, and you probably well, you shouldn't do it right when you're supposed to go to break. You're the Big producer. Big market tease. It's not a Andy. tease if you say the question. One question that we have to answer about the Patriots as it comes to potential postseason awards will be answered next here on Lions and Heart, Sunday morning, WEEI. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And 
Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. My running back, too, I'm going to go with another bruiser and Ramondre Stevenson, mm. the Patriots running back. I love what he's about. He's been sort of the number two for that team for most of last season um, and the year before. But he is a true running back one. 69 receptions last year, fourth among all running backs as a part-time player. Part-time player, 69 receptions. He led the team in rushing yards and receiving yards. We don't talk a lot about him as one of the best running backs in the league, but we should. That is, I believe, NFL Network reporter Cameron Wolf, who seems like he was uh, out above his skis because he doesn't know anything about Ramondre Stevenson, who was not a part-time player last year. He was the best player on the Patriots offense. Damian Harris was a non-factor. It's for the only one the they year. used. The only, there were games. There was a game. You go back and watch it. I forgot when it was, so you can't, unless you watch every play from all season. He wanted to tap out. And he looked over and realized, oh, I can't tap out. There's no one to come in, so I'm just going to have to go back to the huddle, even though I'm dog-tired and I'm running out of gas here. Uh, But Ramondre Stevenson is certainly in the conversation for best Patriots player, best Patriots offensive player, offensive player of the year candidate for the Patriots team award, not NFL award necessarily this year. And we are talking about the start of training camp. We're taking an optimistic spin. No Fitzy today on what is normally the Fitzy and Hart program. Instead, Andy Hart, an optimistic, never would have guessed. Optimistic Andy pops out more often than people would like to admit. Objective Andy also pops out, and people don't know the difference between objectivity, negativity, and honest, positive assessments, and that's what I did this morning. Took an optimistic approach on WEEI.com with my Sunday 7 column, and I looked at the potential candidates from the Patriots for postseason awards because... Rookies are reporting later this week. Veterans will be reporting the week after. First practice, 10 days. We'll be at Gillette Stadium in a week and a half watching football. Although I do want to warn everybody, not sure everybody knows this, the first practice, no pads. So don't go there expecting like you're going to see goal line banging heads, James Devlin. I was going to say, watching football, is it going to be good football? Uh... I don't know if it'll be good football, but it won't even really be football until the... Usually it's the Sunday, I believe, they can put pads on. Yeah, it'll be like the 30th of July. So if you go there early, it's fun. You can watch what is essentially an extension of OTAs and minicamp with no pads, no contact, but still NFL players, still competition. Bring the kids. It's a great take. Urge you to do it. But if you're looking for pads, wait a little longer. Wait till the beginning of the second week, Sunday or Monday, somewhere in there. Getting back to our discussion, Joe Braverman, our producer who has done a fine job this morning, I have to say, uh, had a a question. Mac Jones, who I made the Patriots MVP, my co-host, John Lyons, said he's only got a 30% chance to win that award, which I think is an ominous, scary, and negative thought heading into the new season. Is he also eligible for Patriots Comeback Player of the Year, Mac Jones? Because, let's be honest, the bottom fell out of his career in year two, last year, both in terms of performance, both in terms of He went from a franchise quarterback who everybody loved and believed in to zappy, zappy, zappy chance at Gillette Stadium to showing his frustrations against the coaching, the play calling, Matt Patricia, Bill Belichick, some former fashion, to which Tom Curran said he made an enemy of the head coach. And then the head coach was very reticent to praise him for really any period of time until 
draft weekend when uh, Greg Bedard kind of backed him into a corner and he said he absolutely still feels the way he did last summer about Mac when he was very praiseful and talked about his work ethic. Did Mac Jones had a have a 2022 season slump, whatever you want to call it, that makes him eligible to be the Patriots comeback player of the year this year? I would argue yes. What do you think? Oh, 100%. I mean, his rookie year, he had 3,800 yards passing. Last year, I know he missed, what, three and a half games, but he were under 3,000 yards last year. Yeah. And he's getting chance during the Bears game of his backup. By the way, did you have Zappy Fever? I did not. Yeah, I had the Maxine, too. But I think Zappy I, rhymes with yeah. crappy for a reason. Yeah, and I enjoyed Zappy. It was Sorry, fun. Sorry, Zappy. That's a cheap shot. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it, and I think he's a good... <laughs> He's a good backup to have. But, yeah, look, can Mac Jones be your comeback player of the year? Yes. And I think if the Patriots are going to be a playoff team, which I think they certainly can be, you're going to need Mac Jones to play at that level. Like, comeback play. Even if he's not the MVP of your team, if it's like 2021 where he's really good for long stretches, Mm -hmm. that's what you're going to need. And just the nature of your division, the nature of the AFC. And I think he can be. And I would actually put, and I know I said Mike Kosicki last segment, I'd put a higher likely or just as high of Mac Jones winning that award as I would anyone else. And he's the most important guy in that category, too. Bounce back, come back, whatever you want to call it. Because I think there's a lot of bounce back candidates and all those. Yeah. The way and we can talk about it. Patricia was not good for the offense. No. Joe Judge was not good for the no. Mac Jones, look, Uh-oh. second half against Baltimore, three interceptions. Matt Patricia wasn't in the headset saying throw three interceptions. Nope. He had a lot of turnover issues. He had attitude problems, too, at parts oh. of the year. So... I think there are things for Mac Jones to come back from, and I believe he can. I think he will. I still think he's a franchise quarterback, but your question, can he be comeback player of the year? 100%. Okay, so I gave out my uh, defensive MVP last segment for this season to Matthew Judon, and I find it interesting that that elicited an interesting phone call from an interesting location, actually. So we'll go back to the the phone line, 617-779-7937, if you want to talk about, I don't really care, Celtics, Red Sox, Patriots projecting the season and awards, we're coming to camp. But Kurt in Tampa has an interesting idea about Matthew Judon. Kurt, good morning and welcome to the Lion's Heart Show. Hey, how's it going, guys? A uh, big fan. I listen to you guys every morning. Thanks. Um, but oh, um, you guys are talking great about uh, Matthew Judon and how great he is. You know, I love the guy. He's a good part of the defense. A good leader. But is it? Do you guys think it's time to start thinking about um, this great defense that we have? Possibly trading them. Um, I'm down in Tampa. I don't know what you guys think about a Judon for. Uh, like Mike Evans, um, you know, just his name in general. Like he's a, like what could he attract um, in terms of trades? That's a that's an interesting question. Thanks for the call, Kurt. Um, I didn't necessarily see that coming. The Judon for Mike Evans, which Mike Evans' name has been thrown around this yeah. offseason just because the Patriots need a number one receiver. Is what's his future in Tampa? What are they doing down there? Um, Kurt said something that I don't necessarily agree with, and this um, it's Kurt's not alone. This is a widely accepted view that the Patriots have a great defense. I don't think they have a great defense. I think they I have do. questions. Um, I think they're going to be exposed on defense. I think they have a better chance to be um, a beaten and battered defense this year than great defense. They they got great numbers last year, as Mina Kimes will tell you, and I've fought with her on Twitter a little bit about this. Um, they have great numbers against bad quarterbacks, against bad teams, against inexperienced quarterbacks, they will not face those this year. This year they will be facing um, some of the truly elite quarterbacks and passing games in the NFL. I'm interested to see how that goes. 
and I don't really want to see how that goes without Matthew Judon. Even though I, you know, I guess the idea of adding a number one receiver um, in Mike Evans, I'd have to look at his age. He's getting a little uh, long in the tooth. No, is he twenty nine? Is he thirty? Uh, is he on the wrong wrong end of the uh, the wide receiver spectrum in terms of age? There, twenty nine, but he turns thirty in August. So he'll be thirty this season. For the season, yeah. So I guess there would be a debate there as to who you think has more left. Matthew Judon is under contract not just for this year but for next year. He's been the best return on investment guy from the famed free agent class a couple years ago. Um, I would not trade Matthew Judon. Now, part of it is biased. I just gave him my defensive MVP. I feel like if you trade your defensive MVP, that could create more problems than the arrival of Mike Evans would fix on offense. Yeah, and I think the thing... When the Patriots, first of all, I think there's zero chance they trade Matthew Judon at any point in the next year. But when they do things like this, it's never, I shouldn't say never, but it's not for like Mike Evans. Like they trade Richard Seymour for a first round pick. Like when they trade higher end pieces, it's for draft capital. It almost always has been. And I think you look at Judon, I understand the age is creeping up a little. I still look at this guy, he's got two, three great years left as part of this defense. 45 sacks. Yeah. I think you have 45 sacks left in him. In three years? That's yeah. pretty damn good. Yep. I mean, 15 a year, whatever, Maybe however four. you want to break it down. Maybe but four years I need to get to 45. I don't know. Yeah. But I think this is, a, and we talked about it earlier, if Josh Uche has a great year, Christian Barrymore has a great year, we're going to look at Matthew Judon as being part of that. Even yeah. if his numbers aren't huge, you're going to say, hey, teams are shifting protection to Judon, Uche's getting sacks. Hey, teams are doubling Judon, Barrymore has a one-on-one against a guard, pushes through, gets a sack. Like I think we're going to look at Judon as a guy who, whatever his numbers are, if their defense is great, he's going to be a big part of it. And you mentioned Christian Barrymore, year three jump possibly coming. I made him the breakout Player of the Year on my Sunday 7 on WEEI.com right now. Do you have any problems with that selection? As we Not at all. I'm with out? you. And I think if he's a breakout guy, oh. that's huge. Because he, when he huge. flashed in 2021, I was like, well, like, and Everybody I, was excited. Was. I was excited for the draft pick when they got him. Admit yep. it. But when I saw, I was like, wow, this is, and he's a guy that when he came into the league, the questions were not, can he play? There was some whispers at Alabama where there are issues, by, mm-hmm. which so far has not been an issue that we know of. And I think as just a, pure talent. I think he's their best defensive lineman. Talent-wise, he's probably their most talented defensive lineman, defensive oh, I don't think, tackle. I don't think it's close. And if he's just healthy, I think part of it, he was injured part of mm-hmm. last year. If he's just healthy all year and he's good, we're looking at the next great Patriots defensive lineman. Agreed. The comparisons to Richard Seymour are both unfair and I think apt. He is a unique physical specimen who was drafted. Remember... His speed off the line. He's tremendous. There were a lot of mock drafts that had him going with the 15th pick, the Mac Jones pick to the Patriots. I had one that... Well, then you ended up with both of those guys, first two picks, Alabama. You had a franchise quarterback. You had an elite, potential, dominant defensive lineman. Unfortunately, in their sophomore seasons, neither of those two things happened, came to fruition. Both had fallback years in their supposed year two jumps. But they uh, they have an interesting horizon for them in year three. We have an interesting third hour of Lions and Heart coming up. If you stuck around this far, I urge you, make it to 1220, because 1220 will bring you the best sports talk radio game show you will hear in the city of Boston this weekend. Not sure who else is in that category. Don't care. You will hear the dun-dun-dun more likely game with John Lyons here on Lions and Heart, hour number three, WEEI on a Sunday morning. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.